Welcome to Tech Marketer Live, helping you create and capture demand in an enterprise technology market. Today, we will tackle some of the most common webinar lead gen and production strategy questions. Everything from registration, incentives, creative engagement, and how to follow up with your hot leads. Now, here's your host, Jordy Carswell. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. We're excited to have you with us today. And we're going to talk webinar strategy. We're going to talk about what's working and what's not working when it comes to driving ROI from webinars. We're going to talk about lead generation, how you can get folks to show up. And we're going to talk a little bit about production and follow up. So basically, over the years, as we talk with our enterprise IT and cybersecurity clients, we keep hearing the same questions over and over again. We've been compiling them. And we have put them into a quick order here that we can talk through some of the answers and share some of what we have seen succeed. So to help me get through this, we've got uh, Jess Steinbach here, who is our lead webinar moderator extraordinaire at Actual Tech. And uh, she's logged hundreds of hours running webinars with tech web uh, buyer audiences. So welcome, Jess. We're excited to get your insights as well. Hey, Jordy. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and, uh, and jump into some of these questions because I spend a lot of time in webinars, as you said, although I have to say they just fly right by because they're all so darn engaging. Uh, <laughs> but I very rarely get to uh, step back and think about what leads into it. You know, I, there's wonderful. We have such a great community, as you know, and great audience members. Uh, but how do we actually get those people in the room? And so I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about that from you today. And that's where I want to start with you, Jordy. Can we talk about webinar promotion? And in particular, I want to hear a little bit more about what actually works when you're looking to drive that qualified, that's important, qualified registrations and leads for the webinars. Yeah, we're recording this in June of 2023. And I think we're probably up to about 100,000 registrations Ooh. for our webinars uh, so far year to date. So we see wow. a lot here in terms of what works and what doesn't. Um, email is king. Uh, social mm. is in the mix. You need to do some social, but email is what will actually move the needle for you in terms of driving registrations for webinars. Um, so yeah, everybody, you know, we put it on social to keep a heartbeat out there and make sure that we get yeah. the branding effect, but email is what will drive the reg list. Yeah, that is interesting. Cause I, when, when I first heard you say that, I, I think I, I would have thought that social was, was the way to go, but you're right. It's a little bit more of that, that vibrancy, that heartbeat. But okay, so if it if it isn't social media, if email is the way to go, uh, how are you getting those lists? Who are you actually emailing, Jordy? Yeah, it's, so let's talk about that. So first, you want to think about your internal list. So every marketer has a list of you know leads that have come in from various content syndication activities, trade show activities, previous webinars, whatever it might be, and they've got a sort of a nurture list. That's the first place to go when it comes to your in-house lists and testing plain text versus HTML invites, trying to mix it up a bit, get as much as you can. So that's the very first source of, you know, you go to your, your go-to nurture list to get people to show up for the webinar. Mm, I like that. I like the idea of doing a little bit of A-B testing internally as well. Uh, okay, so internal lists, yes, check, great, that's important. Uh, what else? What else can we do? What about renting a list, Jordy? Is that a good option? Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. But I mean, <laughs> our sales team also is a source of an internal list. That's actually a good point. Um, the oh, sales yeah. team has a Rolodex, both of existing clients, 
as well as folks they've been reaching out to. They're trying to nurture from either cold or uh, some other activity that they've been involved in to try and drum up leads. So those lists can be good as well. Um, so how can you have the sales team succeed in inviting people using their Rolodex, essentially? Um, to <laughs> Rolodex, Jordy, this is an important... I know, it's old school. <laughs> For anyone born before the 80s, a Rolodex was a, a paper contact list. So we're going back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, this is old school, but basically your contact list, right? So your each, each sales rep, uh, if you give them a customer referral link and then keep them in the loop about how it's going and whether or not yeah. they've referred anyone, who those people are, that can build a good relationship with sales. Also giving them short plain text scripts, copy, graphics, whatever they might need to be able to reach out and tweak their invites as they invite people both cold and warm, uh, you're going to see a nice lift there from, from your sales team's Rolodex. I like giving them the, the tools. You're, you're relying on them to pursue the, the yeah, resources that they have. Exactly. But you're hitting the easy button for them. And I can only imagine that that's a positive for the, the relationship between marketing and sales as well. Yep, definitely. Now you talked about external promotion, so yeah. list rental and things like that. And yeah, there, mm -hmm. there are companies that will allow you, media companies and things like that, that do list rental. Um, you know, you got to temper your expectations, make sure that you're targeting the right audiences there. Uh, and, you know, we see folks do list rental campaigns. They might get 20 or 30 registrations out of doing something like that, which is good. Um, you know, it's definitely a thing to try. Um, but another one that people often forget about is partners. Your partners are a source, source of external uh, promotion capability. So add something to the webinar that will make the partner want to go and promote it for you, something mm -hmm. that's in it for them. So for instance, mention how their solution dovetails with what you're talking about and then get in touch with the partner and say, hey, we're running a webinar. We got a nice mention for you. Do you want to promote it to your audience? And then that will help you to, to leverage their audience as well. Those folks then become part of your audience and, and you can uh, continue to remarket to them after that. Um, and then, of course, there's full service lead gen uh, webinar production firms like Actual Tech, where we do all of that targeting and promotion for them, for you. Um, and, you know, you can also give you uh, referral links for your audience to make sure to keep, you know, things separate as the leads come in. But if you're shooting for uh, 100 to 200 targeted registrations, you're going to need to leverage email as your primary channel. I'm not saying don't push it on social, but just temper your expectations in terms of what you're expecting from social, whether it's organic or paid. Okay, I like it. So emailing some cool A-B test ideas, the making it easy for the sales team, uh, and then partnerships and, and potentially some lead gen, uh, you know, hang out with actual tech media. It's fine. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, those seem like a good place to go. So, uh, let's say now you've got your incoming registration traffic. So you've sent out your emails yeah. and they're working because, uh, why would they not, you know, we've, we've given you all the tips. So there you go. Uh, and then once you've got that registration traffic coming in, what's next, what, what are the next steps that you need to take in order to get people to, and here's the tough part, actually show up for that webinar. Right. So you've got some touch points that happen before the event or before mm -hmm. the webinar that you need to optimize. I think there's three things. Number one, you need to optimize your reg page for conversion. So when we say optimize your reg page for, for conversion, what do we mean? 
means get rid of any unnecessary fields uh, that people are bailing. You know, if, if they hit the reg page and they see a 30 field form, they're gone. Right. So Done. Yep. get rid of as much as you can there. Uh, use some of these form complete engines to go out and, and gather the demographic data that are necessary, that's necessary, you know, revenue, company size, all of that kind of stuff. Don't ask the end user for it if you don't have to. There's automation for that. Um, also, another one, Jesse, you've probably seen on our registration pages is an exit pop. When people go to leave without registering, have you seen what we're doing there? Yeah, I didn't know it was called an exit pop. I think that is the cutest name I've ever heard. I like it even more now. <laughs> so basically what it says is, you know, if you can't make the time, so they go to the, the back button. If you can't make the time and, you know, enter your registration details anyway, we'll make sure you get a copy of the recording. And schedule conflict is number one reason why people bail out on these pages. They can't do the particular time that you've picked. Um, but you'll find that a lot of these people will actually show up live in the end. Uh, even though they signed up through that route saying they didn't have, they couldn't make the time, they actually do show. Yeah, we see that happen all the time. Somebody shows up, oh, sorry, I was running late. I had to get out of this thing or that thing. But they, they had it on their calendar. So when they wrapped up yep. their meeting early, they show up. They're happy to be there. They're excited to be there. Exactly. Yeah. So we're continuing in this vein of, of optimizing your reg page for conversion. Uh -huh. The number one thing that we see uh, people blow it with is <laughs> basically making sure that the branding, the creative and the copy all match the email promotion that you sent out. So for instance, if you're saying, Hey, you know, this is what we're going to be talking about. This is the title of the webinar, the look, the feel, the colors, everything must match what's on the reg page because when people get there and there's a disconnect there's something they think something's off hey yes absolutely 100 percent. especially now we're all on the lookout all the time for something to be scammy so exactly. if you see something that seems a little off you trust your instincts and you and you walk away yeah, exactly. And it, that goes for a prize incentive too, right? People ah. are worried about that. So if you do have a prize incentive, make sure it's front and center, the clear terms, and and everybody can feel comfortable that that prize is actually going to be awarded. Um, so that's the first thing, optimize the reg page for conversion. Um, mm -hmm. The second thing is you're optimizing your com confirmation email. So making sure that there's a prominent add to calendar link. You just mentioned if it's on their calendar, the chances of them showing up are better. Hey, mm -hmm. yep. And so making sure that the branding and the copy on that email, the confirmation email that goes out is uh, a match as well. So not just using the generic Zoom template, the, the generic on 24, whatever it might be, customize it to match your event and you'll increase your chances. It looks like, uh, your event is legit and that your effort's been put in there and it's going to be high value. So that's kind of key. And then also offer them uh, something in that confirmation email. If the, is there mm. something that will help them get primed for the event? Questions they should think about, stuff that you want them to think about their environment that you know they could share, put that in the confirmation email. So those are two things. And I know you're thinking about number three. <laughs> it's a very yeah, simple one. I'm ready. Yeah. And make sure, make sure your automated reminder sequence is dialed in. So mm -hmm. we see this often, right? People forget to set up their reminders on a proper cadence. So we recommend 24 hours out, one hour out, and an event is starting notification that starts at the time of the event. 
if you can do all of these three things, they work together to maximize attendance. And you need to make sure that that you're capturing, you know, incoming traffic from your invitations, converting it to a registration with a great page, and then helping them not to forget to show up. And I love that, Jordi. A lot of what you said, it it almost sounds, I hate to use the word common sense, but it, a lot of it just, you know, it's, it's paying attention to details. It's, it's just putting that tiny little bit of extra effort in. And I know that no effort is tiny in, in our busy lives, but um, putting in that little bit of extra attention to those details, uh, you know, even just thinking through the look and the feel all the way through makes such a big difference in how the audience yep. feels because we, we can feel that care and attention. We can feel that you've put the energy and effort in. And so when I'm deciding if I'm going to put my energy and effort back into attending, I feel better about that trade already. I'm already, yeah, exactly. I know you're invested uh, in my experience. And that even goes down to like the quality of graphics, right? So like, mm. are the graphics blurry? Are they sharp? Are the, you know, is everything uh, nicely put together? It sends an Im- it sends an impression or an image about your event that this is, you know, this is special. It's worth carving out time for. So Jess, I'm going to ask you a question now. So we're getting into your world. (laughs) So now that you've got people to show up for the webinar, yes, right. How do you keep them engaged during the webinar? So they're not just drifting off working in other tabs. People don't (laughs) do that, do they? Uh, Never. No, obviously, as soon as I come on screen, everyone is, is laser focused. All the other tabs get closed. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 100%. And, and nail on the head, Jordy, we've got a, a, a room full of people out there uh, across the world that I don't get to look in the eye, that I don't get to have a conversation with. So I actually have no idea uh, how much they're engaging with me unless I'm asking them questions or interacting with them in one way or another. Um, and I think that is a really important part. And, and I just have to hit that one more time for anyone out there that is planning any type of uh, online event, any type of virtual event please do remember that there's an audience of humans out there. I think so often mm-hmm. when we're thinking about our checklist of things, it's the, it's the lead gen, it's the, you know, the graphics, it's the, you know, all these wonderful things that we're putting together. And those are so important. But then also have speakers that their job, their checklist is 100% focused on the audience that's out there and not forgetting that they're just a faceless mask. You know, right, right now I'm talking to Jordy. I can look at you, I can see you, I can interact. But in a webinar, I'm talking to my two monitors in my apartment, you know, (laughs) so it's remembering that audience is out there with you. Right. Yeah. And I think like if you had those people come into a room with you and sit Mm -hmm. in a boardroom with you, right, or in a conference room at a hotel or whatever it is, and you're giving a pitch, right, you're not going to phone it in. A hundred percent. There's no way. No. No, you're absolutely right. The energy would kick in. The nerves would kick in uh, and, and your performance. Uh, side of things would kick in. No, you're, yeah. and and that's and that's where you have to come from with these virtual events is is sort of bringing yourself back into that room, into that boardroom uh, with those you know twenty, thirty, or a thousand people that you're speaking to. And so, how do we do that? Well, there's lots of ways to do that, and we definitely don't have time to dig into all of them today. But a few things that I have found uh, are polls, games, incentives. Uh, and some interactive presentation styles that are, are worth looking at. And we actually have some content for you all as well. If you haven't seen our uh, engagement webinar, I'll highly recommend that you go check that out. There's a shameless plug. Yeah, we'll uh, put that in the show notes, actually. There you yeah, go. That's a good idea. So do do go check that out because it does have a little bit more of some of the specifics here. Um, but staying a little more high level, polls, I, I know those uh, you know can can be sort of hit or miss for people. You absolutely can overuse them 100%. 
Um, but if you can use them in a pointed way, it's a way that the audience gets to feel like they're participating. If you don't want to actually just do a click on poll, ask them a question and have them respond. And it doesn't always have to be a topic sensitive question. We've had some great feedback from audience members uh, interacting about what their superpower would be if they had one. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, sure, they're not talking about a tech solution, but they're, they've leaned forward. They've closed down the other tabs. They're focused yeah. in on our tab. They're asking that question. And then, oh, hey, while you're here talking about what your superpower would be, let me just hang out and talk to you about this cool tech solution that I have for you. Um, so again, yeah. it's all about just getting their attention back. Polls are a great way to do that. Interactive uh, games are a great way to do that. Uh, Jordi, I've asked you this before, but do you remember back when you were in school? Did you have to play games in school? Yes, even though I was yes. homeschooled. No, even just, though you're yeah. homeschooled, right? Yeah. So, so Not games, that there's anything wrong with that. We're in a homeschooled generation. That. Yeah. Very important. So games were a way that our teachers would sort of sneak learning in under the radar, right? Like yeah. they, you thought you were playing Jeopardy and really you were learning about the French Revolution. Uh, and so this is still true for us. This is still something that adults need. We want to play. We want to interact with information a little differently. Uh, mm -hmm. And so when you play true false, when you play Jeopardy, when you have a little bit of fun with the information, you're finding ways to get that information out to the audience uh, in, a, in a way that's a little bit less expected. But the best part about that is honestly what it does to the speakers. Because yep. when I'm reading from a script, even though I read from a lot of scripts, so I'd like to believe I'm okay at it by now. There is a big difference. Yeah, you'll you tell me if not, Jordan. No, you're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. Uh, there's, there's a big difference between me reading off a script and me speaking off the cuff. There's a yeah. big difference when you let me, uh, when I'm playing a game, when I'm doing, you know, some of the ones that are in our webinar engagement, uh, like having to eat really gross foods while asking somebody questions about cybersecurity or really spicy hot sauces. Uh, and okay, so you might say, what is the point of that? Well, it put myself and the speaker in a mindset where we were having very authentic physical responses. I promise you that was real. <laughs> and, uh, and then having to talk about a solution. And so we were giving the audience a genuine connection moment. We yeah. were giving them an authentic human moment. So that energy, that authenticity comes out through these games, through these sort of physical actions. And I think prizes bear into that too, right? So like yes. if you have prizes, so we've experimented a bit with this, right? So you have a grand yep. prize on the event, but then also on our larger summit style events, right? Where you've got, you know, five, six, seven hours of content and people yeah. stick with us through those, but you do have to pace the prizes, Absolutely. like take the prize kitty and split it up into more chances to win, spread it out so that people wake up after each segment <laughs> or before each segment, Right. So that yeah. they uh, stick with you through the whole thing and prize, you know, well, I noticed you had a question about prizes here uh, on the list, Jess. Yes, I do. I do want to talk about prizes because I, it is something that we do on our, uh, on our webinars. Um, and Jordy, I have heard back from people a few times, you know, when, when uh, chatting uh, about webinars kind of saying, well, I don't know, my, my company's not really sure about including mm -hmm. prizes on our webinars, that, that comes up. You know, are you just going to end up with prize hunters? Uh, and I know, I know we've had a lot of success about it. So what is your response to that, Jordy? Yeah, it's a good question. So we have done a lot of testing with this in the last 10 years with whether or not you should use prizes on your virtual events mm -hmm. uh, and your webinars. Uh, one test we ran with this identical traffic source, landing page, copy, forms, everything was the same. The only difference was the addition of a prize promo. Uh, and these, the results that we got are pretty typical of the other testing that we've done. So that, for instance, in this test, 
the regform conversion rate before adding a prize was 21.6%. And there was a lot of different traffic sources coming into this. So it's a little lower than our usual. But then after adding the prize, it jumped to 34.9. So that was like a 61% improvement in registrations. So you've done all this work to get people there. Um, You know, you want to maximize your chances that they'll register. So it helps boost registrations, but what's the intent, like you said, of those Mm -hmm. people that are coming? Are they just there for prizes? For prizes, right. So we think of it this way. If just one qualified prospect was swung uh, off the fence from potentially registering to definitely registering because they found the prize offer compelling, that entire incentive uh, was paid for many times over, especially in Mm -hmm. high ticket sales environments. So why, why not risk pushing that one or two or three prospects over the edge into the funnel when the relative cost is so low? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We look at it from a risk reward standpoint. Sure, you're going to have some mm-hmm. prize hounds and we can f- we filter them out. We've got a pretty good idea who they are uh, from time to time after you know doing hundreds of webinars. But the potential upside makes it worth it. And that's why we always recommend the use of an incentive. Yeah, I love that. And and one thing that I do want to highlight, Jordy, because you did mention, so we we have our prize, that's our uh, sort of grand finale prize, our grand prize. And then we have the prizes that we offer throughout uh, longer webinars as well. And then we also have a best question gift card that we offer. That's uh, so a good we one have, too. Yeah. And that one, and that one's been, that was a hugely successful uptake in, in questions asked um, mm-hmm. and, and has been really uh, fun because it, it gives us uh, another reason to kind of remind people throughout, you know, to, to think about engaging with their speakers and asking those questions and Hey, it's an extra chance to win that prize. Uh, and so also keeping that, you know, we were talking about energy earlier, prizes are fun and energetic. Uh, so for the moderators, for the audience members that have been through for a seven, eight hour day, getting to have those ebbs and flows is, is really important. So I'm, you know, we even did, sorry, Jess, I was just gonna say, you know what we did to mix it up one time is we did something called spin to win. So we put a bunch of different prizes on the wheel. And we spun the wheel and the person, you know, we would click it for them and everybody could wait and see what they were going to win. And there was a lot of great prizes on the wheel Um, and it worked really well. And then I think we overdid it, though, to be (laughs) honest, I think because we were doing spin to win all the time, people were like, yeah, 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 let's just get on to the next thing. They just wanted to know who the winner was. So I think once in a while, there's things you can do to mix it up a bit. But I guess overkill, you got to watch for it, too. Oh, I, I really like that. Okay. Now, well, I want to do spin to win now. Um, yeah, we but, probably have to still have the code <laughs> sit, sitting around somewhere. <laughs> we have to bring that back, but that is a good point that it, it doesn't always just have to be give it away. And, and, a, and one more quick example. Um, there was a, a company that we had recently that did a, uh, a prize giveaway if you signed up for a demo and they gave mm-hmm. that prize incentive to everyone who signed up for a demo, but the demo got bigger throughout the webinar as I was scoring virtual uh, hockey goals by a little virtual hockey game. And I would try try to shoot the puck into the net. And if I got it in, then everyone got an additional $10. And so they... Okay, so their prize got bigger as you succeed. Nice. And then everybody got that, which was also fun because it meant that throughout the webinar, as I was scoring these goals, people were coming back again, you know, coming back to that tab to watch the score, to make sure that money was going up. And they had a lot of feedback uh, and a lot of people signed up for that demo. So that was a very successful one and, and fun. I couldn't do it every day. I don't, I don't want to play that much virtual hockey, but it was, yeah. it was a good time. 
Yeah, All that's right. great. So Jordy, you got people in the seats. I entertain them to no end with all my <laughs> incredible stories. And then uh, the webinar has come to a close and the curtain has fallen. What is the best way to approach to follow up with all these wonderful audience members who gave us their time? All right. So let's approach this from the standpoint of a company that has a decent sized sales team, but the sales team maybe is reticent mm-hmm. about jumping on a CSV file full of webinar leads for whatever reason. They're too busy. They've been burned before by low quality leads with the phone numbers, the emails don't work, whatever the reason is, right? Let's say that there are 200 registration leads after mm-hmm. an event. That's the most common one we run them. Uh, and you're trying to get meetings lined up because as a marketer, you're measured on pipeline generated or that you've helped generate. Right. So meetings are a key piece of that. Maybe you're even measured on the number of meetings. The first step is to separate out those who attended live. So now you got to think about, okay, we've set them aside. Now, are you going to want to send them the on-demand recording from the webinar personally or from a sales rep along with a complimentary asset or an offer for a demo or whatever it might be? That's a natural touch point. Hmm. If you're going to send it out for marketing, the on-demand recording, are you going to send that out via nurturing email, personalized emails, um, you know, through the system, like uh, through Zoom or whatever, after the event is over. Um, and the notification for the recording, and some people hold back recordings like they're gold, like they don't want to give it a, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't be stingy with, don't, with your Don't be stingy MP4. with your, <laughs> right? Don't hoard recordings. So the notification of that recording availability is an awesome touch point for both attendees and non-attendees alike. If they attended, they still might want to share it with colleagues. So make it easy for them to do that. And oh, Jordy, we hear that all the time. Yeah. The, the, I, I want to, I need to make an argument to my bosses. I need to make an argument to the decision makers. I have to convince my team. So if you give them the recording, not only are you making it easy for them, but you're also getting more eyes, more looks. It's great. And people might say, well, how do we track that? We can't, you know, mm. it, who cares? Just take, <laughs> take the attention, right? And yes. it will come back to you. So another metric, so you've got attendees versus non-attendees. Yeah. So we have that as a metric for warmth and intent. Mm-hmm. Another metric is poll responses. If you've done a good job with strategic poll questions on your event, like you, you and the team do, Jess. Thank you. That will help you gather more prospect profile data that you're going to have more potential intelligence points that can determine warmth for your sales team. So Mm. if someone answered the poll and says, yeah, we're in the market in six months or we're in the market in, you know, whatever, and this is the size of our environment and whatever, um, those things can go a long way to giving sales something to work with. Handouts from inside the webinar console. Did they download a handout? Did they click through in the, in the webinar console to a demo? Um, or did they ask a buying question during the webinar? Like how much is it? How long does a proof of concept take? Um, things like that. Here's another one. Are they on your target account list for ABM? Right. If they are, then, all right, we're going to fast track those folks. Are they part of the buying committee? Are they a technical decision maker, business decision maker? All of these data points, if you align them, you start to see where you can give sales a heads up on how to prioritize and go after some quick wins and demos and meetings. And when you approach sales asking for immediate follow-up, instead of giving them the entire list, if you've got the resources for that, great. 
But if not, give them all of these data points so that when they phone them up, they can say, you know, on the webinar, you indicated X, Y, and Z. Um, here's the recording. Really wanted to chat with you sometime about, you know, or in the near future about your environment and how we can help you, that kind of stuff. Make, take that, that data, splice it, dice it, and get it ready for sales to be able to do something with and give them context, right? So that they can be successful when they follow up. Oh, I love that context is so key. I, I know a couple of times I've seen some of our sales team reach out to people with something really specific. You indicated this. We had this conversation with you. And it, sometimes it's even something, you know, like you, you indicated that you were going fishing next week. And so I want to chat with you about something a month from now. But it's just showing those little moments of care. So if, yep. you're, if you're handing the sales team, hey, this person showed up and they asked a question about this and they indicated that their superpower would be flying. That's gold. That's, that's your conversation yep. opener right there. <laughs> hey, I yep. also want to fly. Do you want to <laughs> talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, something to break the ice, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, Jordy, that, that works really well. What you just gave us, that, those ideas of having these sorts of um, ways to warm up the conversation uh, and make that a little bit more, well, conversational, really, instead of salesy, right? Which is what we're trying to do is sort of engage with folks. But what about for those folks that didn't attend live and so we don't have that data? Yeah, great question. So I think knowing how to deal with no-shows and to mm. best handle them is where your solid pre-planned nurture strategy for a post-webinar campaign begins. So the thing you can do is set up an automatic drip sequence with the on-demand recording. Think of that as day one, right? Sorry, we okay. missed you. Here's the recording. Uh, day two in your automatic sequence, it could be to offer them a content asset, a cheat sheet, a transcript from the webinar, something, maybe the slides uh, in PDF form, something to get them that ties directly into the conversation that was had on the webinar. On day three, offer them a short survey to fill in, maybe a nice mix of general interest questions about the topic, as well as some profile specific questions. So it doesn't become so obvious that it's a profile sales building exercise. But at the end of it, offer them a demo at the end of the survey, right? If they bite, great. If they don't, on day four, offer the demo again. So basically, have a plan about how you're going to handle this. Don't try and make up your nurturing strategy for no-shows after the event is already over. You want Because you need to go back and stay as close to the webinar date as you can to make these uh, engagements as effective as you can as you try and, and reach out to people. Mm. So I think the, the point, Jess, is that try to think this through in advance and recognize that not all webinar leads are the same in that CSV after the event is over. They can't be treated that way. We hear a common uh, refrain from our clients say, well, I can't get sales to follow up promptly yes. on those leads. But if you work to segment things well, and if mm -hmm. you equip sales with the intelligence they need to sound more uh, up to speed when they do get on the phone, you're going to see that relationship with sales build over time and they're going to have a more positive a direction for all of those conversations that sales is trying to have there and the alignment between sales and marketing. Yeah, I think so. The the things I'm taking, I'm thinking back through our conversation, Jordy, I'm, I'm taking away, I think that that forward thinking, the planning um, on, but all the way through the arc. So really putting that care and attention yeah. into from the first minutes you put that webinar on the calendar knowing who you're going to talk to, how you're going to get them there, uh, and, and what is the message that you're bringing to them and having that kind of through line, both graphically, visually, but also 
in terms of the key points and conversationally all the way through uh, and having you know that be part of their experience when they're there live. And then most importantly, not saying done and dusted once you've kind of uh, hit end webinar and then making sure that there's a full follow-up arc on the other side and really continuing through with that same conversation. Yeah, it's a strategy. You know, you yeah. have to have a strategy. You have to have an approach to it that's going to work. But anyway, Jess, are we at time for today? Uh, Jordy, I, I honestly don't know how this happened so quickly. I think we are very close to the end of our time. I feel like we could uh, keep going about this stuff for a while. So we'll just have to save some of that uh, for, we'll save them for next time. For yep. our next session. That's it. Um, this has been really great. And I know that our plan, Jordy, is to do a little bit more of these sorts of Q&A style episodes um, where on, on Tech Market or Live. Uh, where we get to dig into your questions out there, the things that are really top of mind for you. So on that note, if you have those tech marketing questions or lead gen questions that you would like to cover, that you want to hang out and, and chat about with Jordy, uh, myself, and some other members of the actual tech media team, we are so excited to get to share some of that information. Jordy, where would you like people to reach out to you? Yeah, just shoot us an email, Jordy at G-E-O-R-D-I-E at actualtechmedia.com and we'll do our best to tee up your questions for next time. All right, folks. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate you being here with me and we will see everybody next time. Bye.